Pikes Peak this morning with some men and so other men, so it's kind of scarce, and that's why um, a lot of people are on vacation. And so we're just praying today. Actually, they're walk, walking up uh, Pikes Peak, and so, yes, I got this call from him, and he's like, I'm going to talk to you before I, I can't get any phone reception. And he's walking, and he's like, and I'm telling him what's going on, and as we're talking, I hear, okay, babe, I'm going to have to let you go. It's like, oh, are we running out of breath? Yeah, but seriously, I got to let you go. I'm like, okay, darling, have fun. We'll be praying for you. So anyways, it's really quite funny. So, all right, how are we doing this morning? Awesome. Awesome. Woo, yes. Um, We had announcements that, how many of you guys love those video announcements this morning that made it? Yay, they were awesome. So if you missed it, I'm sorry. I don't think there's a replay button, but they're really good. So check your bulletins. You have a bulletin? Check in your bulletins of the upcoming things and events, and um, you know, you know, get get a just kind of look around on there. So, anyways, and I'm Lisa. For those of you who don't know me, my name's Lisa Ellis. I'm uh, Pastor CJ's wife. So, um, nice to see you all got here this morning. If any of you are new, first-time visitors, we do have a welcome center out there. Um, we would love to get your information, not because we're stalking you, but because we just like to get to know you better. And um, so just feel free to go out and, and uh, during the break. Um, no, we're not having a break. Sorry, that's the old time. I messed that one up. Anyways, after church, feel free to go out and, and get that um, so we can get a hold of you. And we'd love to answer any questions that you may have, um, you know, about the church or just get with you for prayer um, needs as well. So, all right. So right now we're going to dismiss the children. I know that. As what's the status with the crew, Caleb? Taylor, go, awesome, good, 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 all right, crew, you are dismissed, okay, and so we're going to do a transition, would you help me, Bianca, real quick, would you, I need to gather up things, I've got to tell you what happened, I've got to tell you a story, okay, because you're like, oh, Lisa's on crutches, poor lady, what's going on with Lisa, and I'll happily tell you, and I have to sit, so can y'all see me if I sit, okay, if not, Okay, I probably don't need this. I wasn't sure that that was her, but... This is, yes, okay. I don't need that. That's Julia's Bible. She'll be in to get it. Someone gave me flowers this morning. Aren't those beautiful? I just love them. They're just so pretty. They're going to stay up here with me, too. And then, Bianca, the water, and then I have my cell phone in my purse because I'm expecting a a text message pertaining to testimony. So, like, anyways, okay, that's going to stay there. Okay. We're good. Ah, okay, if you can't see, like there's blanks. If you want to come up closer, if you're in the back and you can't see, because I know I'm not like tall like my husband. I'm sorry about that. That's just kind of how life is for me. Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to tell him that, that, was, that you said that. I'm like, they said I was prettier than you, CJ. He's going to love me. Oh, he already does, but you know what I mean. Okay, that's really funny. Okay. So, um, amen. This is so good. God is so good. How many of you know that? He is just so good. Okay. So I have to start with a testimony. Let me open my water real quick. Okay. All right. Because, you know, as soon as you start talking, you all of a sudden, Satan is a liar. Yes, he is. Okay. So <laughs> I just had <laughs> um, Anyways, funny story. 
So Lisa, why are you in crutches? Okay, I'll tell you why. Um, well, I teach horse um, lessons for um, any age, actually. And um, in teaching horse lessons, I also train horses. I've trained my horses, and um, currently I'm, I'm just finishing up, or was just finishing up another friend's horse, which is good. Everything's awesome. I don't do bucking broncos, okay? So I'm not like this rodeo girl. I'm like, Lisa, will you train this horse? No. Like, there are stipulations in order for me to have to train a horse, okay? I just don't grab it and go yeehaw and ride off into the sunset, okay? So, because I really like my body and I like my life and I just want to be here for my children, okay? So I'm not like, like that type of a rodeo girl. But um, I do learn and have learned my own, kind of my own method and other people's methods of just how to gently break in a horse. So that's what I do. It's worked wonderfully. It still is working wonderfully. But I had a little mishap happen a few weeks ago. So I'm riding. And this horse, is, she's beautiful, wonderful little horse. She just is doing everything perfectly. You know, the student who I'm teaching, training her for is riding her like a champ, just doing wonderfully. And so really the last transition of training I really have to do, I had a couple weeks left really, is going from a trot, which is kind of like, you know, trot, you know, the kind that you don't like to ride because your body could go this if you don't post, you know, or into a lope, which is a more gently, you know, running. It's not galloping like when they're just being crazy and running, okay? It's just a nice gentle lope, all right? So from trotting to loping. So that's my next phase. So I was doing that, and she was doing pretty good. Well, this one day we were riding, and uh, she was acting a little stubborn, so I was doing some extra things with her. And we're, we're having a good time. It's cool out in the morning. It's awesome. So here we go. I'm going to the on a trot. I give her the cue to lope and she doesn't lope. Usually what I do is I get down, I do some work with them to let them know, hey, I'm boss man or woman, and so if I say lope, this is what you need to do, which works really good. But I thought, you know, I'm just going to give her a little bit more pressure because she's going to lope. So I kind of give her an extra squeeze and use my reins gently, which I've done a million times before. Next thing I know, she starts loping. I'm like, oh, good. Well, then... I'm going along, and I'm looking. I'm like, okay, I think she's actually jumping. She's not really loping, and so it feels kind of airy. So I'm, I'm feeling this, and she's done that before too. And I thought, well, maybe if I just sit down and hang on, you know, she's going to go right out of this. Not a big deal. Let's just wait a second. So I go through another jump, and then I, I look back, and I see her, her back legs going up, which constitutes as a buck. Like, So I'm like, Oh, she's bucking. And I thought, you know, I can stop this horse at any time. Like, I, I totally had control. I had my hands in the reins. Easily I could have pulled her head up. I could have pulled her nose in. There are so many different things I could do to get her to stop. But I was like, wow, this horse is bucking. And I'm staying on. This is really cool. And so I'm like, okay, am I doing this right? Because she's like really, you know, and I'm just like, okay, making sure I'm sitting right, you know, like I was just so excited. You ever get caught up? No, not bucking. I know that. But just getting so excited. And next thing I know, she goes up to do the last buck, but she twists her hips, her butt. So her butt goes up and it goes, droop. And so with that little twist, you can't evenly sit in your saddle. And I just went, here I go. I just felt myself going through the air and 
you know. You don't have any control of uh, where you go off, and you don't have any control of um, how you're landing. So I ended up landing flat on my back. Well, I think, it's my, I think my butt actually hit first. My behind, my hindquarters, I'm sorry. Don't want to offend anyone. Kind of, ooh, thank you. Kind of landed first. And I had a helmet on. Does that count? Yay, Lisa had a helmet on. Of course, wish my helmet was in a different area of my body now, but um, had my helmet on. And so I, was, I landed, boom, and I thought, oh, good, I had my helmet on. My head's fine. So, and I, and I looked, and the horse just was, stood still. And she was kind of, her head was down, which shows she was, like, really submitted. She was like, like, oh, what just happened? I don't know, you know. Anyways, so I went to try to stand up, and actually I had to have my student come and help me up. I'm like, they're like, Miss Lisa, are you okay? And I was like, this, that's all I could do. Just put my thumbs up. That means yes, okay. And so I couldn't, I couldn't get up. And so I said, I think I'm going to need you to come help. So he comes down and, and helps me up. And I very, it was hard to get up. And I thought, I'm not going to be able to get back on. And I really want to get back on and lunge the horse because I want to finish out this lesson. This was not okay. And so I stood up, and all of a sudden I started blacking out, sat down real fast. Okay. And then um, Bryant was over. Do you remember when my sons came, Bryant and Trey, and they had friends, Jordan and James, who came with them? They were at my house, and I told young man, I said, go inside, get Jordan, have him come outside and help me. So I'm, sta- I'm sitting there on the ground going, man, I should be able to get up. This isn't a big deal. I can do this. So um, I, I'm waiting, and I'm just, I'm like, I don't like sitting on the ground. You know, thankfully it wasn't hot. And um, so I'm like, I'm going to try to get up. I, I kind of try to muster up. It takes all the strength I can get. And I'm finally standing up, and here comes Jordan, and he is just running like, oh, my goodness, Lisa, you know, and he's running, and, and we start, he, they start helping me inside. He's up, and then James comes out, and, and they're helping me. And I'm, like, limping, like, going really, like, baby step slow, like, step, step, you know, and it's really hard. But, and, he, and, we, and it's probably, what, like 150 feet from where I fell to the house, 200? I don't know. Is that a good guess? Okay. And um, so I'm walking, and as we're getting close to the house, Jordan's like, um, how about we just load you in that truck right there, and we take you to the ER? I'm like, no, I'm fine. I just fell really hard on my, my hindquarters, okay, fell really hard, and I have a lot back there to fall on, so I'm sure I just bruised my muscle. I forgot there was a bone back there, okay, so... I just thought I fell, and it was really bad. So get in, the ship, get in the house, and I call my friend Michelle. Michelle, she's running over, and I'm just sitting barely, and like, I'm okay. No, I'm really good. And this guy, this young man, his dad is a, a doctor in California, so I'm talking to the doctor, and he's concerned about my vertebrae, my tailbone, you know, and I'm pushing back there. Oh, it's good. It's good. I'm clear. I had a helmet on. I feel good. It's just my, my behind muscle, you know. And uh, that's all it is. It's just I have a lot back there, and I'm sure that hurt. So, anyways, long story short, throughout the day, I um, started getting chills really bad. And I was writing a, I was having a slight temperature. And so CJ comes home, and I talk to my good friends, 
who uh, are in the medical profession. One's a neighbor, and one was uh, Chris and Leah Cangelosi. And uh, they're like, get to the ER right now. Okay. Oh, and I'm crying because I don't, I'm like, I'm, I'm really okay. I'm okay now. Get to the ER. Leah said, if anyone comes into this clinic, my clinic, and they fall off the horse, we immediately send them to the ER. Okay. So we go to the ER. And I'm thinking the whole time, why am I here? I don't even know. She's just like, honey, do you want a wheelchair? No. No, I'm fine. I'm walking that slow. Like, step. Step step like so so slow sitting down like but I'm okay I'm fine so after they take me back and you're waiting and I'm sitting like Lord and I'm sitting so I'm feeling good as long as I'm sitting I'm fine I'm like Lord why am I even here like what in the world I don't even know and if I should be here I just feel like I'm wasting time and wasting money what's going on the doctor comes in he's like well you must be really be in a lot of pain, like a seven or an eight, in order to come to the ER on a Friday night. And I took that as he was like doubting my my hurting system, but that's just that was kind of like his humor, I guess. Like he was saying, "It's Friday night, you shouldn't be here," you know. And I was like, "Oh yeah, see." And so I'm texting Leah, "I shouldn't be here. See, this is so bad because you know I'm not a seven or eight unless I move. Then it can go up that far." Well, they go do X-rays, which is excruciating really painful. I'm in tears. I get back to the room and Chris is, her husband Chris is back there who is an EMT. And so he came by to see me in the middle of this during his shifts because he's bringing people there, you know. And, and I'm coming in and he's like, you know, Lisa, if I was there with you this morning, I would have put your butt in that ambulance and I would have hauled you out to the ER. I wouldn't have even given you a choice. I'm like, Okay, he's like, and he was like serious. It's not, you know, when your friends are like, <laughs> I would have totally taken you in. No, he was like, Lisa, you know, he was like, it was serious time, which is what I needed. It was really good. Anyways, thank you, Lord. And uh, so he starts getting everything. He goes back there and he, everyone in, the, in that area starts really moving fast. He's like, hey, I want to know the readings on that x-ray. What did they say? And he said, well, they think it's a fracture. They see a fracture, but it could be a shadow. So it might not be a fracture, but depending on how you're laying, it could, might not be. And I'm like, yeah, it's totally a shadow. I really am not fractured. I really don't. Like, I'm fine. It's probably just, a sh- just you know, of course. I'm in just so much doubt. So then the doctor shows Siege and my stuff, and then they come back in, and, and they said, we have to have a radiologist look at it. The radiologist looks at it, and he says, well, actually, there's several fractures. We need to get an MRI. And I'm like... But they could be shadows. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm sure they're just shadows. I'm, you know, I'm totally nothing that's wrong. Is, nothing is wrong with me, right? I'm good. So they take me back to the, EM, M, the MRI, and then they confirm, yes, I have uh, It's a horizontal fracture, non-displaced fracture. I won't tell you what I called it anyways. Um, all the way across and including your tailbone. And so... And I thought, oh, what does this mean? And so he said, it's fine, just light activity, no big deal. So I went and um, um, got up to, to go someplace, to use a, use a restroom, and the doctor said, wait, wait. Okay, the bone, I forgot, what's the bone doctor's name? The ortho, thank you. I thought it was something else. Ortho doctor said he wants you on crutches. Like, oh, great, I'm on crutches, really? He goes, yes, you got to be on crutches to keep the weight off. 
Okay, so I do that and then end up going in a wheelchair <coughs> and et cetera, et cetera. So that's kind of, we went on vacation a couple days later for 10 days um, to Virginia, had a great time, came back. I went to see the doctor. They took another x-ray. And this is the doctor. I, you know how you go to doctors and they're really like, you know, at first they're really, um, they don't have a lot of emotion. They're kind of like stone face, like poker face. And you, they sit there and they just listen to what you say or ask you questions. And they're just really, you know what I mean? They're really calm, don't show very much emotion. You know what I mean? They're just like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, okay, let me give you my suggestion. Well, this doctor was not that. He was very animated, okay? Like, I'm very animated. So I appreciate that language. And so I went there, and he's like, hi, my name's Dr. Payton. Da -da -da, nice to meet you. And he sits down, and he goes, okay, let me see if I get this straight. And he doesn't have his, ni his, his nice face on. He's like, you got bucked off a horse in the morning. He's looking at his paperwork. Some, that evening, you decide something's not right, and you come in and find out you have a fracture on your pelvic and your tailbone. Monday morning, you call my office and tell me you're going on vacation for 10 days. I said, well, actually, it was Tuesday. Was it Monday? But yeah, <laughs> that didn't matter to him. He's like, okay. Now, he was really, I didn't tell him that I had 30 people at my house the day after it happened for my son's graduation, nor did I tell him I was at church that morning because my son was preaching. I just, I didn't tell him that. He would have probably went through the roof. And so basically, he's like, you're on crutches for three weeks until there's no pain, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah. so I'm asking him questions. You know, like, when I talk, I can process things better, like, ask questions. So I'm asking questions. But I'm like, okay, so well, how can I say this? So there is no, you don't want me to. I'm thinking of things that I, I'm not allowed to do. I said, so there's no, like, running. And he's like, no, no running, no, no running, no, no, no. And I don't run. I don't, I don't even know why I said it. It just came out of my mouth, like, no running. He's like, no, uh-uh. And I'm thinking, no, I really don't run. I'm sorry. I really don't run. I'm, I don't. I love people. I mean, it's okay. I just don't run. I d didn't mean that. And it was just really funny because I thought he really thinks I'm this, I don't know what the thoughts were, but like, oh, yeah, here's this l lady who wants to go running and ride horses. And <clears throat> I don't know. I just, that impression was just really interesting. So I have been experiencing a lot of grace in my life these last few weeks. How many of you know that? I really have. It's been quite the journey. Um, Every, and the Lord has taken care of every step. The, the lessons that I've had um, has been awesome. A great friend of mine said, Lisa, let me ride her for a few times, get her through this transition. Of course, she's acting like this precious pony, and she's doing everything my friend is doing. <clears throat> you know, like your kids, when you say, man, my kids are so bad, and you take them to the, the, you know, someone's house, and they're like, oh, they're angels. Yes, ma'am. Yes, please. No, thank you. You know, you're like, I want to bite you so bad. Yeah, you know. Okay, so she's being an angel, and she's doing everything she's supposed to do. So another one of my friends who's a, who's a horse trainer, she's like, Lisa, I don't even think she knew that she bucked you off. She said, I think she was playing, and a lot of times when they do that last gesture or twisting, that usually goes along with horses that are being playful. She said, 
I really don't even know, think that she didn't do that intentionally. It was just kind of like an oops, you know, like, yeah, this is fun. She's probably rejoicing because I was rejoicing. The problem is I shouldn't have been rejoicing, right? Okay. So I shouldn't have been like, yeah, this is fun, you know. I, the Lord showed me a picture of Peter. And, um, you know, when Jesus called Peter to walk on the water, he said, you know, Peter, come. You know, Lord, is it you? And he called him to come. And Peter got out and started walking on the water. Well, what did he do? He looked, started looking at the waves, right? He got his focus off Jesus. He looked at the waves. Who knows? Maybe Peter was like, wow, look at these waves I'm walking on. This is so awesome. Look, look at that wave. And all of a sudden, Jesus is this way. Maybe Peter started walking this way going, this is so awesome. I don't know. That was just, maybe not. That's just my paraphrase, okay? And so really the point, the Lord was showing that to me, and the point was, just because I fell, does that, make, does that mean it wasn't God's will? Like, was it God's will for Peter to walk on water? Yes, Jesus called him. Sometimes the things that God calls us to, guess what? It's easy to fall. That doesn't mean God has not called you. That just means somewhere along the line, we took our eyes off something. Amen? Okay, so that was, that was my, that's part of my testimony that will ring through this, my message. So, yay, yay Jesus, right? So here I am. So now you all know, so I don't have to tell you anyone, anybody else this, okay? So I'll just say, listen to the recording, okay? This is what happened to Lisa, and I'm almost finished, okay, with my recovery. All right, so this morning, okay, we're going to do this. So we're going to be talking about God's grace today. Grace, 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 what a word. God's grace. Grace to receive and grace to give. And what does grace mean? Sometimes the way we use grace in life um, has a lot to do with, like, ability, okay? Um, You'll have grace to do climb the mountain when the time comes. You'll have grace to... Go through this trial, this temptation when the time comes. You'll have grace to do your work when the time comes. You know, we use it kind of as ability. Are you having a hard week? You know, oh, God's going to give grace to you. You're going to have grace, you know. So we think of it in those terms. Um, Sometimes we use it as undeserving favor. Well, you know, we think of the scripture, well, it's by God's grace you've been saved. Well, that, yeah, that is a scripture, and we think, oh, you know, oh, it's this, this thing, oh, it's just by God's grace. Or we think, um, it was only by God's grace that I got out of that speeding ticket, you know. Or we think, oh, it's only, you know, anything that happens, you know, uh, it's all, oh, only by God's grace that I didn't get, end up in jail. It's only by God's grace I didn't die. It's only by, and so we think, we come from this low point of like, oh, like a, you know, like a worm. Like, it's only by God's grace, Right. Or sometimes we use it as our own will. Like, it's only by God, good grace, God's good graces that we came to church. Like, we had nothing to do with it. It's just God's grace, you know. Like, okay, it's only by God's grace that I did not get bucked off. Ha ha, we can laugh at that one. You know, or, you know, oh, it's only by God's grace that my kids do this. You know, so we kind of, even sometimes we take it on as our will. Like, this is what I want to happen, and so this is God's grace. But this is going to happen type of thing, okay? And um, grace is kind of like 
I'm going to read the definition of grace here in a second. But one thing that I like to, I, I thought of this to compare grace to is to water. Okay. I'm going to climb with my thing here. Um, kind of like water. So when do we drink water? When do we usually drink water? Like I'm drinking water. Why? Because we're thirsty. Is that the purpose of water? It's what we use it for, but is that the purpose of water? Is to is because I'm thirsty, so I need water. Huh? I'm thirsty, so I need water. So water has is more detailed than just I'm thirsty, I need water, right? We know our body is made up of 60% water. Water helps us to digest our food. It helps us to, I want to say undigest it, to be nice. Like, to, it, you know, for it, all the flow where it needs to go, you know, kind of thing. Um, if Water actually helps our cells in our body for oxygen. It gives us energy. Um, it also, okay, water also... It helps your metabolism. It sends electrical messages between cells so that our muscles can move. Our eyes can see, our brain can think, and so on. So water goes even back to those really basic functions. It also clears out, like, your kidneys and all your major organs. It does that. But when you take a drink of water, do you ever think, oh, I need to clean my kidneys real quick? You know, Oh, this, I can't see. Let me have some water. Hmm. Oh, I need to digest this food. Give me some water. You know, we don't think like that, right? And so, so is grace. Grace goes so much deeper than just what we use it for. So I want to put the definition of grace, definition one up here. This is defined in the Greek. When I look it up, grace. This is what it is. The first definition of grace, it comes from the word charis or harris. I can't pronounce it. Go ahead. Um, this is what grace is. That which affords joy, pleasure, delight, sweetness, charm, loveliness, grace of speech, goodwill, loving kindness, and favor. Would you ever have guessed Okay, I want to read it again. Grace defined, and this is the very first definition. Boom. This wasn't in teeny tiny letters at the bottom of some, you know, concordance. This, was the, this is the thing that popped up. That which affords joy, pleasure, delight, sweetness, charm, loveliness, grace of speech, goodwill, loving kindness, and favor. It is also the di divine influence on the heart and its reflection. In other words, you can see it. Okay? Knowing what grace is actually reveals the true character of our Heavenly Father. This is who God is. This is who your Heavenly Father is. So when we read... It is by grace you have been saved. It is by 
joy, pleasure, delight, sweetness, charm, loveliness, grace of speech, goodwill, loving kindness, favor that you have been saved. It was his joy. It was his pleasure. It was his delight. It wasn't something he had to do because he felt obligated like, oh, here, I made this creation. I better take care of him. Being saved by his grace was his delight. It was his joy. You can put that in, in the place of grace. And as I was looking up uh, all the words of uh, the scriptures of grace, it all was this word, this Harris word, Harris, something like that. It was all that. I'm waiting for my page to load. It's from God's heart. I just, I just love that. It says, <clears throat> I'm just going to read some of these scriptures because, you know, you can look them up. Romans 6, 14, for sin shall no longer be your master because you're not under law but under grace. You're under joy. You're under pleasure. You're under delight. You're under sweetness. You're under charm. You're under loveliness. You're under you speak the goodwill, loving kindness, favor, all of that. It's no longer by law, but it's by that. It totally reveals the Father's heart of what he thinks of you. And those things, all that joy and pleasure and delight and sweetness, etc., all that causes you, enables you to do what he says. Just in one word, it's, we, we put it as grace. When it says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in various forms, in its various forms. First Peter 4.10, it talks about the gift you see, the gift that you have that you've been given, you're faithful stewards of God's grace. You're stewards of this. You're stewards of that through the gifts, through the things that he's given you. So I just, that just so just reveals that. Grace doesn't just provide the ability, but the freedom in life situations. Overcoming. (laughs) It brings forth the fruit of the Spirit. When we need God's grace, this is what we're calling for. I need grace. Now, everybody, when you've been saved, you've been given a, a certain portion of grace. You've been giving a certain measure. Of God's grace. This is a second definition of grace. This is how it looks in our life. Is it up there? Grace turns your heart to Christ. It keeps you. See how I have it typed up there a little bit different. It keeps you. It increases your faith. It increases your knowledge. It increases your affection, and it kindles you to exercise virtue. So what does grace do? It turns your heart to Christ. It keeps you. It increases your faith. It increases your knowledge. It increases your affection, and it kindles your virtue. When we see that last thing, it, it, um, 
It kindles you to exercise virtues. I'm going to just kind of define virtue a little bit so we can kind of see that virtue is a tendency stemming from who you are at your core level to act in a Christ-like manner. It's an identity. The virtue is who you are in a Christ-like manner. It's a settled habit of mind. It relates to who we are as people, as our character. That's virtue. Because, you know, there's so many virtues out there, you know. You think, oh, people have this virtue. Well, really, we're talking about the, the things that Christ put in you that are God-like, that are Christ-like, those virtues. So when do we need grace? <laughs> always, like water. Like, we need grace. We always, in everything. You cannot walk this Christian life without grace. You can't go away from this church to go home to do whatever without grace. Sometimes grace is a choice. Sometimes we have to actually choose grace. Let's go to the next scripture there. Is it Hebrews 4.16? Yep. Oh, that's 1225. I don't know what that is. Okay, I'm going to read this. I don't know where that went. Okay. Hebrews 4.16, it says, Let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence. So it's saying, hey, let's approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may be, receive mercy and grace to help us. So actually, it tells us, first of all, just to do that, right? Hebrews 12:15 It says see to it that no one comes short of the grace of God. In James it says 4:6 it says God resists the proud but he gives grace to the humble. In Hebrews 13:9 it talks about for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace. And one more I want to read here real quick. And this was not on my, my notes, so don't look for this scripture. And I like this one too. It's in Galatians 2, 20, 21. <clears throat> it says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through law, then Christ died in vain. I do not set aside the grace of God. So we can see we can set it aside. It tells us to approach the throne of grace in time of need. It tells us that God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. It says to strengthen May your heart be strengthened by grace. So obviously there's a measure there that we have to go get. Does everyone see that? We get appointed a certain measure, and then it's up to us to go do it. Like our body is already made up of 60% water. So like, hello, you know, we have water in our body. But it's up to us to continue to fill it with water. Okay? So how do we know... 
if we're walking in grace. It's what we choose in the moment. It's what we choose. My friend, um, she um, had a really interesting week recently. She moved, um, and she's got four children. She moved, and in one week, got into this nice new house. They found out they had lice. So you all know what that happens. Not, you have to treat that, wash everything you have, all your bedding. Two days later, um, because of a job her husband was on, he ended up getting scabies. So they had to go. They had to get stuff, treat the whole kids, throw everything in the washroom again, get everything washed, stay away from people, like, you know, again. And she goes, Lisa, okay, and this is just like the end of the story. This isn't other things that have been happening prior to. This is kind of like the end of it. She goes, Lisa, when that happened, we just had a laugh. And I said, that's God's grace. Right there, that's God's grace. You know, it makes no sense. We're going through all these troubles and we're laughing. Why? Because that's God's grace. That's one way it works. Have you ever been there? Like, this is so bad. Oh, my goodness. Okay, let's just laugh because that's what you do. That's God's grace. There are other things that we can choose besides grace, right? We can choose hopelessness. We can choose bitterness. We can choose unforgiveness. We can choose rage. We can look at our disability rather than God's ability. Those are all choices. And they come so natural. Why? Because of our flesh. Right? Those naturally come. So, when the, so it's like a choice. Sometimes we have to choose this thing called grace. I don't want to drink water. I don't, I'm not in the mood. I don't like it. It tastes so nothing. I don't like it. We choose our feelings sometimes versus truth and faith, don't we? I mean, it's easy to do. I do it all the time. But this is how I feel. Like, okay, I had, the Lord has put this on my heart a few, like a few weeks ago, but it wasn't together. And so Monday, CJ's like, oh, and you know you're preaching Sunday. And I'm like, got, got that. I told you. I'm like, yeah, but I thought it was like at the end of the month. Okay, this is almost the end of the month. Okay. He said, well, well when I was gone, I'm like, honey, I got this. Okay, so between doctor's appointments and kids and my dog got a huge stick shoved up his nose this last week. It's been interesting. We've had like, you know, life happening, right? Okay. And so I'm like, oh, Lord, I don't know. I don't know. I had to choose grace. I had to choose truth. Like, God, you can do this. This message is not too big for you because you live inside of me. What you have to say, this this can happen. And I had to choose it because my body was saying, just call Pastor Dale and have him preach, please. I'm home alone with the kids, and I got a, you know, injured hindquarters, and I'm wobbling, and poor me. And you just told me. But no, I chose grace. And those are good situations. There's a lot of bad situations that we go through. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of bad things, but we have to learn. We have to choose. We need to make a choice on this. 
This is when we need that relationship with the word so that we can know the truth. This is when it's so vital that you're getting in that word and you have that relationship with your word, the word of God, so you can know what is true. Because true and truth are different. Something can be true, but it's not necessarily the truth. I am weak and unable and can't do this particular thing. That may be true, but it's not the truth. We can go through bad moments and be, it's awful, it's miserable, I hate this, this is uncomfortable, God must not love me. We come up with all, that's a lie actually. But we think of these things and we just make these, these uh, conclusions. And sometimes we can do that even through spiritual things. Oh, Something's gonna bad's gonna happen to me. Something bad's gonna happen to me, you know. And sometimes we can actually pull off of a lying spirit, and we think, well, it's true, but it's not the truth because it's not what the Word of God says. Only what the Word of God says is the truth. But it's really hard to choose that, you know. It's really hard to choose that. So we need grace through the trials. We need to choose grace through the trials. That's hard. And so since we're talking about trials, you know, trials, tribulations, there are hardships that we go through. They're not easy. Does anyone say trials and hardships are easy? How many love going through trials and, trials and tribulations? Yay! You want some water? No. Good. <laughs> And so I'm going to put some wonderful verses that you're going to love me for up here in a second. And I'm being sarcastic. Because sometimes we have to have a real understanding. Because we see life so much through our lens, the way we view things. And our lens comes from our past. Our lens comes from the culture we grew up in. How many of you guys know all the other states are not like Oklahoma? So if you live somewhere else, they're going to have a different culture than we are here. We have different families that do things differently. So all these these experiences and things in our past, the the mistakes we've made, the things we've experienced, all we see through a certain lens. So the important thing about walking with Christ is getting on the correct lens and looking at things through the Word of God. Because his culture... And the way he sees things is definitely not the way I view things. It's like, that is so backwards. Okay. (laughs) Okay, so I better start putting some of these up so you understand what I'm saying. So let's go to the first one. What is it? 1 Peter 2, 19 through 21. And I have that on both ESV and NLT because I just felt like we really need to make this beautiful scripture visible so we know what we're talking about here let me find it on here okay 19 through 21 it says for this is a gracious thing or for god is pleased with you <laughs> when mindful of god one endures sorrows endures sorrows while suffering unjustly Go across the NLT. It says, for God is pleased with you when you do 
what you know is right, and you patiently endure fair treatment. How many love that verse? Jesus! Yes! Because we hate it. It's like, this isn't fair. This isn't right, but I'm suffering. And it says, God is pleased with you when you're mindful of God and you endure those things patiently. Ouch. Verse 20, start with the one on that side. For what credit is it when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. Let's read the other side. Of course you get no credit for being patient if you're being for doing wrong, but if you suffer for doing good and endure it patiently, God is pleased with you. Woohoo! Man, y'all aren't excited. I, I told you you'd love me. Verse 21, starting on that side. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. Other side, for God called you to do good, even if it means suffering. Just as Christ has suffered for you. He is your example, and you must follow in his steps. Suffering is unfair in the natural. Unfair things happen. Bad things happen. Now, that doesn't mean that we go blind to it and we hide under the couch and we just, like, patiently endure that way. You know, sometimes it's okay to speak up. Sometimes we get it, you know, it can proactivate us to do a godly to walk it out in a godly manner, to react in a godly manner. You know, if someone's like yelling at one of my kids and I feel like she's suffering, I tell her, no, you can tell me that's not okay for you to yell at me. That's what I teach my children. That's not okay. And that's not being rude and that's not being patient. That's just like, hey, whoa, urge, stop. This isn't okay. So I'm not saying there's never an action. We just need to go... I'm patiently enduring it. I have God's grace, you know. When we patiently endure it, and we need God's grace in that moment, let's go back to that definition that says, grace is that which affords joy, pleasure, delight, sweetness, charm, loveliness, grace is speech, goodwill, loving kindness, and favor. All right, let's go to 1 Peter 3, 17. It says, for it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. Let's go to 1 Peter 4.1. It says, since Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. So live for the rest of the time, in the flesh no longer, for human passions, not for human passions, but for the will of God. This is it a little bit differently. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh. There you go. Okay, go back to one. Go back to verse one. Okay, since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourself with the same way of thinking. So if he did it, 
It says to think the same way. Arm yourself with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Next. So as to live the rest of the time in the flesh no longer, but human passions, but for the will of God. So it's not about carrying out the desires of your flesh or for your human passions, but living, making it about the will of God. What is the will of God here? How does he want me to respond? That kind of even goes back. How does he want me to respond? What is this going to look like when we go through these trials? Put that second definition of grace up there for me again, please. What does it look like when I go? So those trials, first of all, how do you know you have grace? Grace turns your heart to Christ. Grace keeps you. Grace increases your faith. It increases your knowledge. It increases your affections. And it kindles you to exercise virtue. When we're going through those hard times, that is what grace does. That is how we know that we're walking in God's grace. And of course, our favorite is James 1 2. Count it all joy when troubles come your way because of what it produces. And it has the list. It's James 1 2. You can read it. And that joy actually does mean joy, it means like exuberant joy. It's like, woohoo! Troubles come my way. All right, let's go ahead and be excited. That's really what it means. But see, if we don't look at life through the lens of the word, we're left to our own desires and we're left to our own way to deal with it. But we can't naturally do this. This is why we need God's grace. This is why we need water. So we can function, function properly and healthy. And we can be well-pleasing to the Lord. For that is his will. Sometimes choosing grace is also like the discipline. I kind of mentioned that, that um, earlier. But I have a friend, a uh, dear friend. And she kind of did a, oops, you know, when you're walking along your path and you jump off and do something that you shouldn't do and you knew it and you did it and you're like, oops. You know what I mean? Those mess-ups that we have in life. And uh, it was really, really cool just visiting with her. And uh, she got back on the path. And she's like, she's choosing grace. And we're talking about this. She goes, grace is so hard because my body still wants to go back to A. And I'm saying, no, you're going to follow and obey God's word. But my body's like, no, you need A. You have to have this. You want this. And I'm like, no. And so she's disciplining her herself, and she's choosing God's grace in this. Choosing grace. She's like, it's the hardest thing I've ever done. When we have those life situations where we're like, we want to so bad do the wrong thing that's off the path. And it takes everything inside of us to keep us on God's path. We call out on God's grace. We had something interesting <laughs> happen this summer. I know, our life's interesting. I think so we can tell you about it and you can laugh at us, okay? Our air conditioning went out in May when it was really hot. Not when it was a cool part of May, but it was like, 
like upper 90s May. You know, we had that nice, wonderful stretch of weather. And um, it went out. Okay. And this is when I was doing horse lessons. So I was in the heat during the day anyways, you know, doing the lessons. Come in, you get cooled off, and that's how you're healthy. Plus drinking water. Hello, water. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so CJ has the guy come out. He fixes it. I get a call. Yep, it's all fixed, Lisa. We're good to go. Awesome. Go on with my day. We have the foundations class at night. And and actually, before this, we met. I've been meeting with a couple of ladies because we're getting ready for this upcoming women's conference. Woohoo! Mm-hmm. That's right. And so we we're talking about hardships and trials and how we need to choose uh, hope and joy in the midst of our trials. What an awesome day to to have that conversation when CJ tells me, oh, by the way, when we go home, the air conditioning's not working and he can't come in until tomorrow. I'm like, what was that? What was that joy, hope thing? Like, what were you talking about? I don't, choosing hope. Like, and so I'm like, okay, Lord, this is not a hopeless situation. And I choose to walk in hope and your joy right now. I'm just choosing that. So we come to class, and of course, I tell people, because, you know, that's just me. And some of the comments were very funny. It wasn't helping me choose hope and joy, you know. It was like, oh, how horrible. This is going to stink. I'm going to make the language really nice. This is going to really stink, Lisa. Oh, how are you going to do that? Oh, yeah, that's miserable. Oh, yeah, Lisa, this is, this is awful. It's going to be so hot. How can you sleep? How are you going to endure through the night? Like, oh, you're going to feel, like, bad in the morning. They didn't use bad, but that's okay. Um, you're going to, I mean, like, all this hope and joy that just came my way. Sarcasm. That was sarcasm. And, um, and so after church, I'm going, okay. And I said, but I, said, but I am praying that a, a supernatural cool breeze it's going to blow in our windows when we get home, and it's going to be fine. I mean, it's hot, sticky, no breeze. You know, it's bad. So um, we go home. We, so, someone really offered, hey, come out to my house and stay. And I thought, hey, that sounds pretty good. And then someone else said, actually, you can go stay at the apartment. There's air conditioning there. And I thought, hey, that would be, be better because then we're right next to the church. But I had horse lessons the next morning. So my really main concern is if I didn't keep my body cool, and then I went out in 90-degree heat. I, and then I had another lesson after that. I needed to keep my body cool so I didn't faint when I was teaching the horse lesson. You know what I mean? It's really important when you're out there like that, you've got to keep your body temperature cool. So that was kind of my concern. Like, oh, how am I going to do this? So we go home, and she's like, well, we're going to go home right now. And we got a couple of really good fans. Yay, got some awesome blowing fans that blew your face off, you know, those kind of big ones. Went into the house, and it was like 95 degrees in my house with the windows open. It was bad. And, of course, the kids are like, oh, this is miserable. How can I do this? This is so, we can't, we can't stay here. Oh, let's just go to the church. Can we please? And I'm just like, I'm inside, I'm going, yes, amen. Can we just go ahead? Let's get our stuff. Let's leave. And CJ said, hey, let's give this a chance. Let's just wait. Let's get, it th- let's get everything going. Let's put the fans on. And, boy, my heart was like, let's put the fans on. I'm being nice to you in front of my kids, but I'm feeling just like them. 
do you even love me because we're going to stay in here? Okay, I'll endure for two hours, and then we'll be miserable. It'll be midnight. We'll go to the church, air-conditioned. I'm going to be tired the next day, but okay. So I'm enduring, right? <laughs> well, if you call that enduring, I don't think it was godly endurance. But that, I was just like, uh. So we all get in shorts and, you know, cool, cool clothing. And I'm sitting there in my chair with a fan blowing on me, and it's miserable. Miserable. Just go outside for an hour today, and that's how you'll feel, okay? Just like miserable. And I'm thinking, I'm putting, a, I'm getting, putting some cooler clothes on, and I'm like, Lord, this is just not fair. This is not fair because we need to get these kids out of this house. And I need to get my body cool, and I need to be able to sleep tonight, and I'm not going to be able to sleep. And I'm just like ranting. Like my heart is screaming at my husband. My heart is screaming at the Lord. I'm just like miserable. Now, don't pretend like you've never done that before because you're lying, okay? (laughs) Okay, some of you, okay. But I was just, and so finally I'm like, okay, we're just going to do this. Lord, I am just going to submit to you in this situation, and I'm just going to choose hope, hope and joy, and I'm just going to, I just submitted my heart to the Lord. I just gave it all to him and said, Lord, I just thank you for your grace in this situation. Your grace is enough. So we sit there, and we're just kind of relaxing, and the fans are blowing on us, and kids are going to sleep in the living room and just different things. And finally, I get tired. I'm like, okay, let's go on to bed. We go to bed. It's cool enough. It actually cools me off enough. I go to sleep, and I sleep all through the night. Um, I wake up around 6 o'clock in the morning, which is a sign and wonder for me, just so you know. I'm not a 6 o'clock in the morning person. I don't wake up and go, oh, I'm awake. Let's go. It's a wonderful day. That's not me. I wake up at 6 because the sun is shining, and I'm just like, in my eyes, I'm like, I'm going to get up. And I like having coffee in the morning. I just like it, okay? So I know you, some of you help people be like, oh, that's bad, Lisa. Okay, it's whatever. Okay. So I like, I really wanted my coffee. So I get up, and I walk in the house. I mean, I walk in the rest of the house, and it's like, cool. It's cool. Coolish in there. Like, okay. So I get some coffee, and I end up going outside. And it is so beautiful outside. Like there is this cold, sweet breeze blowing through there. And it is so awesome. And I had just the most awesome time with the Lord. And I experienced grace right there. Just all that sleepy, I slept through the night. I chose grace. I slept beautifully. I woke up the morning. I mean, it was like awesome. Awesome, awesome. And you know what? I didn't have to choose grace. I could have fussed at my husband enough to make him bring me and the kids to the church. I could have. And a lot of people would have said, yes, good for you, Lisa. Way to go because, you know, you're looking out for your kids, you know. Yes, you didn't deserve to stay in that house. But I chose to submit to God. I chose grace. And because of that, I had the most joyous, glorious morning because of it. Sometimes your flesh screams so loud that you've just got to choose to go with grace. So grace is a discipline. Let's let's go to Hebrews 12. Six and seven. 
Why am I Bible? Yeah. <coughs> Hebrews 12, 6 and 7. It says, For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. For it is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? <clears throat> I like it's for discipline you have to endure. Like sometimes we have to actually submit ourselves to discipline. Do you know that? Sometimes discipline is just be, making our soul be quiet and submit ourselves to grace. And that's hard to discipline. You're, you're disciplined. You're giving yourself over to discipline. That's from the Lord. Go to, and then scroll down to 12, 11. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields a peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So when you choose to be disciplined with, in grace, what's it going to yield? The peaceful fruit of righteousness. You know, when Benjamin was a little boy, it was so funny because he, he reminded me this the other day. He did something. He got in trouble, <clears throat> and I went to get him. Benjamin, come here. Well, that little turkey took off running because he knew Mama's coming. Well, all of a sudden, Trey, big brother Trey, comes and grabs him and says, Here he is, Mom. I got him for you. <laughs> you know, and I, that reminded me so much of how I can be. It's so easy. We want to run away from discipline. That God who loves you so much and you are called as one of his own, he is not going to let you go undisciplined. The Holy Spirit's going to scratch you, pick you up and go, here he is, Lord, here he is. But it's so much easier when we submit ourselves to that. When we don't want to do what our flesh is screaming to do. And then we have Hebrews 12, 14, and 15. It says to, actually, I'm just going to read 15. It says, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by many of it, many become defiled. Don't fail to obtain the grace of God. Don't fail that. Go to 2 Corinthians 12. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians 12. All right, 8 through 10. It says, Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. And, 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 it's, and it's Paul talking about like the thorn in the flesh, the problems that he had. <clears throat> it says, Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, My grace is is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, and I am content with weakness. Did you just hear that? For the sake of Christ, I am content with weakness, with insults, with hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, I am strong. 
my grace is sufficient for you. When I'm content with weakness, with insults, with hardships, with persecutions and calamities, for when I'm weak, then I'm strong. So many times we think when we go through tough things in life that it can't be God's will. This can't be God. That's why he gives us grace. Because we need it. And we can boldly come to his throne in time of need and ask for it. I just love that. Choosing grace during times of mourning. Romans 12, 15 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. So there's a, there's, there's a grace that we get through going through hardships, but then all of a sudden there's a grace of mourning, of extreme sadness, of weeping. And I would kind of like to share you an example of that grace. Last year when we were getting ready for our women's conference, a few weeks before that, my dad ended up going into the hospital um, in Oklahoma City. <clears throat> Um, I'm just going to kind of briefly give you an overview, and then I want to read something. The week before, I'm having 100-plus women come to the church, this huge thing I'm in charge of and I'm in, in the middle of, and he's going into the hospital. For a simple procedure, it ended up he needed to um, um, have a, a bypass on his heart. Um, and then um, in the middle of that night, he had a major... Um, thinking seizure, that's not the right thing, stroke, thank you, <clears throat> major stroke, and everything kind of went down there, and then he passed away the Monday before we had the women's conference, and so I would like to kind of read you, my mom kind of wrote out something with her permission um, that I received, I, I, she wrote a, a testimony out, and I just feel like I need to read a part of it, just to understand what God's grace is in the middle of that, how we experience grace. Um, I'm going to back it up. It says, during the weeks, my husband was scheduled for an angiogram because he's going to have something happen. Okay, I'm not going to go into all that. But another procedure, okay? Okay, and it's a process. It it was on his arteries and his leg. I didn't even think of it, but my dad, or he asked the doctor to check his heart arteries. When When he checked in the hospital, the heart wasn't mentioned, so I had the nurse add it to the permit, and she said Jesus was there. The doctor came out of the procedure sooner than expected and informed me that the cardiac artery called the Widowmaker was 70% occluded, and bypass surgery was necessary. The surgery went well, but that night my husband had a massive stroke. And of course, if I cry, y'all are going to love me, Okay. He was paralyzed on the right side and was not able to respond to simple instructions. They had put him on the ventilator, and he survived many days with no improvement. The decision had to be made, and Jesus was still there. He lived about two hours after the ventilator was removed. I was with him when he went, and aside from a grief I can't describe, there was a moment of supernatural joy. Family came into the room with me, And suddenly it was like I could see Jesus with his arms open wide and his head thrown back as he laughed. I could almost feel my husband running to him. 
Then I realized I had said, praise God, out loud. The reality of the joy Jesus feels when one of his comes home was almost overpowering. Yes, Jesus was there. I can't relive that experience without tears, but it is the most comforting thing I can ever imagine. Jesus was there, and he is there with me. Jesus was there. Can you see grace? What a beautiful picture of grace. You know, um, that weekend, with my mom's permission, I I carried out the women's conference. And I preached the first night. I had a prayer. We had a huge prayer meeting before the service. It was a really awesome time. I carried out the, the women's conference. God gave me grace, stood up and had, you know, had the night and we did everything. At the end, I was like, my father just passed away and I did this huge women's conference. That was God's grace. That was his joy. And after he passed, I remember thinking about the women's conference and I remember him, I'm thinking, what would my dad say? And I'm thinking, where my dad is at right now, he would be like, have your conference. This is awesome. I could hear him just go, man, don't stop because of me. I'm great. Have your conference. I was really contemplating about preaching and having the service the next day. CJ wasn't going to be in. Normally, I do have the service after the women's conference. I had a bunch of family came in. Come in, sorry. And um, I was really, the night before, I was really unrest. Do I preach? Do I not? Do I preach? Do I not? I decided to wait. And just see what the Lord told me in the morning. Because sometimes nighttime is the worst decision, time to make a decision. When you're tired and you're grumpy and just go to bed and let Jesus speak to you the next day. That just is awesome. Next morning, God had me speak. And I'm, the grace that was there, there was so much joy. There was, I felt God's pleasure and delight. There was such a sweetness as I was sharing. Just loveliness. Goodwill, loving kindness, favor was so there. The grace of God through mourning was awesome. As you guys all have your testimonies of choosing grace during those times as well. Look around. I want to encourage you. One more. I'm going to say one more testimony because the testimony of grief is in death. But we have mourning and grief with other things other than death. A young lady. um, Can I say your name? Okay, Leah, I wanted to see her. This is her, her um, testimony of grace. When I first had what I was told by the doctors after many blood tests and ultrasounds, <clears throat> typo, I was devastated. Mis- miscarriage. She had a miscarriage. And so when she was first told by the doctors, After many blood tests and ultrasounds, she had a miscarriage. She says, I was devastated. For some reason, I wanted to stay in the pit of fear, hopelessness, and just believing what the medical world was telling me. But my husband, friends, and many people in the church kept having faith, praying for me, and telling me the baby was not dead. Literally two weeks later, which is medically impossible, I went back in for an ultrasound, and they say, a baby with a heartbeat. They found a baby with a heartbeat. 
My blood work numbers were off the chart. It wasn't until then I really felt a true, true, true deep grace after that. I became so sick for nine months I couldn't even get out of bed to shower most days. And that's when grace took an entirely new meaning. Grace didn't feel good every day, but it was totally present every day. Grace some days was just holding on to the truth to know and, being, and know that God is a good father. Grace was the friendships of people who would come sit at my bed and remind me of his purpose for my life and desire to heal. Grace is accepting that I couldn't do it on my own. Outside his love and grace, I was hopeless. But grace gave me permission to rest, pray, fight the, for the life of my baby and myself. And grace put a new song in my heart. Then during a scary emergency delivery, grace showed up in even a newer form. He saved my baby and me. Even in the midst of fear and facing the scariest moment of my life, grace infiltrated every inch of the hospital room. He miraculously healed, and even though grace maybe, maybe didn't feel like a warm fuzzy, it became more real than any sickness, past fear, and struggle. Grace filled every part of my life. Grace take care of my, took care of my family, and I realized that, my, that God desires me, not just, he desires me, not just tolerates me. Um, and that, uh, that ability, that total weakness, there's so many possibilities of total loss, not just of her baby's life, but of her life several times, and how Grace came in and took care of her. And she had to choose Grace. She had to choose grace. Look at examples around you. Who else do we need to mourn with? Who else are going through problems and we don't understand? And they need our grace. It says, Colossians 4, 6, it says to let your speech always be seasoned, be with grace. And that grace is the same word. Joy, pleasure, delight, sweetness, charm. Let your speech, what you say, be seasoned with grace as though seasoned with salt so you will know how you should respond to each person. Grace is not trying and proving myself to be right, but it's understanding what my brothers and sisters are going through in the moment of their turmoil. And that is a message I feel like is for today, if not any other day in this time. Sometimes we need to stop projecting of how we think others should be or feel. And sometimes we just need to say, man, I'm so sorry you're going through this. Just because we don't understand a situation doesn't mean it's not a reality in someone else's life. And we need to be partakers, and we need to be impartators of grace. And the Bible tells us to impart grace. Go ahead and put that big, uh, the, that big grace thing up there. <clears throat> Imparting grace. I think it starts with Romans. You know what I'm talking about? Huh? Yeah. Oh, wow, that's small. Okay. Okay, well, pretend like you can read that, okay? <laughs> and that's okay, and I'm going to read it from my notes. But this is what I did. I um, went to the, all the books in the New Testament. Let's see. 
I can see. Yep, yep, okay. I went to the Bible. We can impart grace to others. And this is so awesome. Not that I went to the Bible, but about imparting grace to others. I looked up every single, when Paul or John or one of the writers, when they started out their letters to the churches, I was floored by the impartation of grace. So I'm going to read this, Romans 1-7. It says, grace to you. And that grace means the exact same thing. Joy, pleasure, delight, sweetness, charm, blessedness. Grace is speech, goodwill, love, and kindness, favor. It says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus. 1 Corinthians 1-3 says the same thing. 2 Corinthians 1-2 says the same thing. Galatians 1-3, same thing. Grace to you and peace from our Father. Ephesians 1-2 says the same thing. Grace to you and peace from our Father. Philippians 1-2, grace to you and peace from our Father. Colossians 1-2, grace to you and peace from God our Father. Colossians, no, 1 Thessalonians 1-1 says grace to you and peace. 1 Thessalonians 1-2 says grace to you and peace. 1 Timothy 1-2 says grace, mercy, and peace. 2 Timothy says the exact same thing, grace, mercy, and peace. Titus 1-4, grace, mercy, and peace. Philemon 1-3, grace, mercy, and peace. 1 Peter 1-2, may grace and mercy be multiplied to you. 2 John 1-3, grace, mercy, and peace be with you. No, it says grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God and the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father, Son, and truth and love. Jude 1-2 says, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Over and over it talks about grace and peace. And I don't think it's kind of like, hi, how are you? It was a greeting. You know, we're like, yeah, hey, Michelle, what's up? You know, next day, hey, Michelle, what's up? You know, during the times of the writings of the New Testament, understand there is tremendous persecution going on. And they needed grace and peace and mercy in their churches and over their lives. And I believe they knew that. And they were an imparter of that grace, truth, and mercy. And, you know, he didn't even say grace because grace is an English word, right? So what, what he was saying, he was saying something else, that haris. But every time he said that, they knew what that meant. That which affords joy, pleasure, delight, sweetness, charm, loveliness, grace of speech, goodwill, loving kindness, and favor be to you. And multiply that. And not only that, you have that. It wasn't just a nice little pretty greeting. He was imparting that. So is our responsibility to impart that grace, truth, and mercy on each other. Of that which affords joy, pleasure, delight, sweetness, charm, loveliness, grace of speech, goodwill, loving kindness, and favor. Grace is something that we need so much in today's day. And I think so many times it's just such a religious word. And we don't see the true meaning behind it. But it reveals God's Father. It reveals His heart. Like from that joy, pleasure, and delight. This is what we get to do. That's what makes us. That's what causes us. It's like the water. Amen? I would like you to stand, please.
Thank you, Father. Did you want to play, Kaylin, or do you want to put some music on? You want to come up and play a little song? I just feel like right now we are living in such a time where we are in need of grace. And everybody has different life situations and different things that they're going through. And we need to choose the joy in that. We need to choose his delight, his loving kindness. It's what it produces. It's part of your identity. It's who you are when these things happen. And life is not fair. Do you guys know that? But as believers, guess what? We got this thing called grace. And it's awesome. And it's more than just going to get you through. It's a choice and it's a discipline. I would just like, we're just going to worship the Lord for a little bit, for a few minutes. And I want you just to pull on God's grace. And not just that, thank him for grace. This is part of the work of the cross. Thank him for that grace. And I would like to invite anybody who needs, Lord, I need grace. You need water. Maybe you're dying. When you don't choose grace, guess what? You start looking like the world. You start smelling like the world. You start getting unhealthy. Without water, your cells actually die in your body, and you're susceptible to sickness and disease. And the same was without grace. When we don't choose grace, we start looking like the world. We start acting like the world, and they think, hey, you're just one of us. But we have grace. And God's grace is greater. So let's just worship together. Let's worship. Let's thank him for your grace. And like I said, I invite anyone who needs grace, come on up here. And let's just worship and just get a special impartation of grace this morning. Amen. Mm-hmm.